Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready and Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Um, if you do have a question, there is a link in the chat to a Google Sheet for you to uh, fill out um, your question, and we will be calling on people in order of that sheet being filled out. Um, Shri, can you start our first question? Manoj Kumar. Hey, uh, can you guys hear me all right? Yes, go ahead. Um, so I have a master's degree, and I work at a national lab as a research software engineer. Uh, my lab wants to do uh, EB2 NIW uh, uh, green card, but I don't have the credentials for it yet. So they don't. They want me to wait until I build my credentials. Uh, but I don't know, uh, I would get like enough publications or citations. Uh, but my lab does not want to do like the perm process. Uh, uh, I, I just want to know why is the perm process so common in the industry? Uh, but not for a national lab. Um, should I push my uh, lab to do like EB2 perm instead of EB2 NIW so that I can start the process sooner rather than later? When you say national lab, do you mean it is government funded or part of a government yes. agency? Okay. Uh, it, it's a department of energy national lab. Okay. Yeah. For anything, um, where you're working directly for a government agency, um, it usually is a strong candidate for the NIW. Um, and yeah, the perm process is very long and complicated and costlier than the NIW. If you qualify for the NIW, I mean, it basically requires the employer to go through a recruitment period where they actually advertise for your position in various forms to try to recruit a U.S. worker for the position um, and to prove that there is no qualified willing U.S. worker to fill the position. And so, um, yeah, it's long and very employer involved and can be costly. So those are some of the reasons why your employer may not want to go through the PERM process, especially if they are a government agency. For the most part, they will you know, the main requirement for the NIW is that your work be in the national interest. And if you're working directly for a government agency, that is usually pretty easy to prove. Um, It's not absolutely required that you have like a long track record of publications and citations for the NIW. Um, That's more for, I mean, it definitely helps because one of the requirements for the NIW is to show that you are well positioned to advance the national interest endeavor that you are involved in. Um, but you can always kind of show that well positioned qualification other ways through your, of course, your education. If you have reference letters from others who have worked with you, and of course, a letter from the Department of Energy itself would go a long way. Um, 
they may just want to kind of strengthen your profile a bit more to make it a stronger case. Um, but yeah, I would say an NIW should still be a pretty strong application if you're continuing your work there. Uh, can, can I, uh, do you recommend to, for me to start the NIW process, like where, wherever I am in my career, or um, should I wait until like the, uh, until I get to the close of the end of H1B and then do, because like, if I do the process early, I even I can, uh, my wife can get H4EAD or things like that, right? Yeah, uh, it's, you don't want to wait until the very end of your six-year limit because then if it's denied, you're out of options. But the premium processing option for NIW now does make it um, a little faster to get a decision. Um, it's kind of a balancing, of course. Um, you know, you want to get further along in your career to build up your profile to make a stronger case, but you don't want to wait so long that you'll max out of your H-1B. And of course, you want to file early enough to get your wife an EAD. It's always possible to if you feel like you have, you know, a strong case, it might not be as strong as it could be. If you want to give it a try, you could try filing it and see what happens. If it's denied, that doesn't prevent you from trying again later. Okay. Yeah, okay. thank you. Thanks so much. Sure. Um, yeah, Shri, could you put the link in the chat again um, for anyone coming in now? If you have a question, you would add your question there. Yes. Um, okay, thanks. Hey, uh, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, hi, good morning. Um, Chandra site. Uh, my question is I have received approval for my OPT and I start and I received a note stating that my start date is from June 5th. However, I haven't received my physical OPT AD card yet. Can I begin working from June 5th even without with, without having the physical EAD card? Unfortunately not. So for I-9 purposes, you would need to provide that physical EAD card to the employer for them to onboard you. Um, the I-765 approval notice technically is not um, a substitute for that. So if it was recently approved, I would say EAD cards usually arrive in the mail about a week after the case status website gets updated showing the I-765 is approved. So it should okay. hopefully arrive soon. Sure. Thank you. Sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you hear me well? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, my question is that uh, me and my wife applied for uh, 485 uh, through cross chargeability. So I was the primary, okay. she was the derivative. I got approved, but the date has since retrogressed. Uh, so we are still waiting on her approval. Uh, we just wanted to know uh, at what point it is okay or if it is okay to change employers or even leave employers, maybe start something of my own or just go study while uh, we are waiting for our application to uh, get approved. Okay. Uh, so which of you is chargeable to the rest of world's category? Uh, she is. Okay. And yours got approved, but hers is still pending. And the priority date is retrogressed even for rest of world's, that category? Yes. It's okay. EB2 rest of world, yeah. So. Okay. And it was based on an I-140. Um, are you still working with the I-140 petitioner right now? Yes, I am. Okay. Um Really, it's not a problem for you to change jobs at this point. Um, her I-485 as the derivative is based solely on your being eligible for the green card, which you are since it's already been approved. Um, for you to change jobs once you get your green card is not a problem. I mean, when you 
get the green card. The green card is based on a legitimate job offer from the I-140 petitioner. So if you were working for the company the whole time until you got the green card, obviously it was a legitimate job offer. There's no requirement that you stay with the company for you know six months after getting the green card or anything like that. Um, once you're a permanent resident, you can, it's fine to change jobs. It should not impact your wife's pending application because again, um, her application will just depend on you receiving the green card correctly, which you did. You know, it was still a legitimate job offer when you got your green card from the I-140 petitioner. So I would say that's fine for you to change jobs. It won't have an effect on your wife's application. And I can leave as well, right? Like not do or study. I don't need a 485J or something for her. No, no. Yeah, okay. because the I-485J would only be needed for the I-140 beneficiary. And now that you have the I-485 approved, it's not needed. I see. Got it. Thank you. Sure. Uh, I think Nagati had a similar question to um, a previous caller about the OBT being approved, but you do still need the EAD card in hand in order to start working. Um, so maybe we can go on to the next one. Hello, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hey, good morning. So uh, my question is, my employer, you know, he applied for my H-1B and also from five different places I applied for my H-1B. So total like five to six, but my H-1B got picked up only from one place, not several, only one place. So can I go and apply for it? Or because you know what USCI is doing now, it, you know, the fraud cases and all. So can I go apply that one or no, it's not safe for me? We are not recommending that individuals who had multiple registrations in the lottery file the H-1B petition based on a selection. Um, because it is pretty clear from UCIS's statements in the past that, you know, the multiple registrations like these um, are considered by UCIS to be um, fraudulent on the part of the employers, not there. It's still kind of unclear what any particular employees, um, you know, liability is for any of that. So far, the main registration attestations are made by the employer only. So it's mostly the companies that could be in trouble. But if the company that got your H-1B selection files for you, that's that kind of makes it more dangerous for them and collaterally for you. So just because the employer is someone that might be prosecuted for fraud, it still will put you in trouble because once the H-1B is revoked, you'll be out of status. You would need to you may have lost any OPT that you have now, and you would need to go through the lottery again. So we are not recommending people to file the H-1B based on multiple registrations, because then you're seeking an actual benefit based on what UCIS considers to be fraud. Oh, okay. So then um, since I come under the rest of the world, so is there any other way that I can apply for green card directly or no? Is it through employer, I-140? Are you an F1 right now on OPT? I'm on OPT. I'm on STEM OPT. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, like we said earlier, rest of the world is still a little retrogressed right now. It's not current for everyone, but it's definitely farther ahead than, you know, Chinese or Indian nationals. So um yeah, there's no requirement that you be in H-1B status in order to have the green card process started for you. So if your employer is willing to sponsor your perm, that is still quite a lengthy process, like 18 months minimum right now. But if there's enough time in your OPT to start that, um, then they could still try, you know, if you have 
one employer who tries for you in the lottery next year, they can still do that while the perm process is ongoing and see which one works out first. Or if your uh, work is something that you feel like might qualify for the national interest waiver, you or your company can file the NIW directly and forego the PERM process entirely. And you may be able to file the green card faster based on that. Oh, okay, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bimi, Bimi. Hi, um, good morning. Um, Hi. I, yeah, I currently work with um, a company, I'm a nurse, and mm -hmm. um, company B filed my I-140 and I-485, but I did have some safety concerns with the location, and I asked them to change my location, but they declined. So I got my EAD, and I plan to start working at the end of the month. But my question is, if I go to the location and I don't feel safe, can I leave after 180 days and port to another company? Yes. So when was the I-485 filed? It was um, in January, January okay. 19th. Okay. So it's almost six months now. And is the I-140 approved? Do you know? Yeah, it was approved January okay. 6th. Okay. Then, yeah. Um, the main requirement is that there be a legitimate job offer from the I-140 petitioner for at least 180 days from the time the mm -hmm. I-485 application was filed. So once you reach that 180 day mark, um, it and if you have the EAD, then yes, you can move to another employer as long as the work you're doing there is full time and in a same or similar occupation to the one in your I-140 petition. Um, yeah. And it can be anywhere in the U.S., it doesn't need to be in the same geographic area as the mm -hmm. one listed in the I-140. Um, just make sure that your current employer, the I-140 petitioner, does not withdraw the I-140 earlier than 180 days. So you might yeah, need to. I, I, yeah, I don't plan on leaving, but, my, but then if I leave, so let's say I start at the end of the month, this June, and I leave mm -hmm. in July. Well, I wouldn't have worked for a long time. Would that matter if I port at the end of July? No, technically not, because for green card purposes, it's based on a legitimate job offer, not necessarily actual employment. So as long as from the time the I-140 was filed in January through the end of June, there was a legitimate job offer from the I-140 petitioner um, they intended for you to work in this position um, genuinely, then the fact that you started working and then left not long after, that's fine, as long as it was a genuine job offer throughout those initial 180 days. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Hi. Um, so I have, um, I'm currently on H-1B visa, uh, but I am in India and uh, my job, I, I got laid off um, last Friday. Um, a similar question was asked yesterday, but I couldn't follow up on it. Uh, so my visa stamp, I have it until September of next year from my previous employer. And I have I-797A approval from the laid off employer. It's until 2025, but I don't think that really matters. Uh, but they are running the severance under regular pay until September of this year. Uh, and and I al already have another new offer uh, from Fidelity. They are asking me to just come into the country. They would file the visa for me. But my question is, can I still use the, the laid off I-797 approval to enter into the country? 
given I have severance and pay stubs from them, and given I have a valid visa stamp until next year on my passport. Right. Yeah, that is a bit of a gray area. So um, the layoff, so you're not still doing any active work anymore for your most recent employer, right? They're still providing mm-hmm. severance, but you're not like reporting for work or finishing up anything for two weeks or anything Correct. like that. Okay. No, no work at all. No, yeah, no notice period or anything like that. They just got my, you know, job terminated on last Friday. Okay. Um, yeah, technically when you are coming into the U.S. and showing the H-1B approval notice at the border to CBP, you are representing to CBP that you are coming in for the purpose of working for the company on that approval notice. So even though you're still receiving severance. If you're not going to be reporting to work for that company, I would say it's a little risky to come in on your most recent company's approval notice. Um, What Fidelity could do, I mean, at some point anyway, Fidelity will need to file an application for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So what they could do is file an application for you requesting consular processing And if it's filed in premium, it could be approved pretty quickly within two weeks. Once it's approved, Mm -hmm. they just email you a copy of the approval notice and you come in with that. Um, I don't, do I have to go for an interview or anything like that? No, Uh, you said you have a valid H-1B visa stamp still, right? Valid until next year. Until until next year, yes, I do. Yeah. So that still works. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Uh, The visa stamp in your passport is not company specific, even though it has a company name printed on it from the one that you applied with. um, Mm -hmm. The use of that visa stamp is not company specific. As long as you are coming in on H-1B with any company, you can use that visa stamp as long as it is unexpired. So you would be able to come in using your current H-1B visa stamp, and you would just need an approval notice from Fidelity so that when you come in at the border, it's all clear that you're coming in to work for Fidelity. Got it. One one quick, uh, I need one quick, clear, uh, like, um, understanding here. What exactly does it mean by consular processing? If I was so, in USA, yeah. would they have applied it differently than yeah, I being in India right now? Yeah. So even though they mark consular processing on the application, you don't actually have to go to the consulate to get a visa because you already have the visa stamp. That's really consular processing. It's kind of the only option on the form for someone who is not physically in the U.S. If you were in the U.S. and um, Mm -hmm. in like your 60 day grace period, for example, they would file it technically as a transfer, because even though you're in your grace period, you're still in the U.S. considered to be an H-1B status for those 60 days, and they could file a transfer of your H-1B status to Fidelity. Um, Technically, when you are outside the U.S., you are not in any visa status. You're only in status when you're physically in the U.S., so that's why they have to mark consular processing. Um, But you don't actually have to make an appointment at the consulate. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I'll just answer John's question really quick because I see it in the Google um, sheet. I think they were asking if you're going for visa stamping at the consulate, um, can you go with a copy of the I-797 approval notice because they lost the original? Yes, that's fine. You no longer need the original I-797 approval notice when going for visa stamping. A printed out copy um, 
is absolutely fine. Same at the border. If you're coming in at CBP, you can use a printed out copy of the I-797 approval notice. The original is no longer needed. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Hi. Yeah. Um, my query is, I have an approved H-1B petition, but my petition is with my employer, and I'm in India. Due to some reasons, my employer is not sponsoring my H-1 visa. So I have H-4 visa as of now. Shall I do H-4 to H-1 processing with different employers? As I have approved petition number with me. So if it is yes, uh, can I know the procedure or uh, is there any time gap uh, for which the conversion needs to be done? Like after landing to US with H-4. Okay. So for this approved H-1B petition you have, is it one that was selected in the lottery? Is this yes. like a first H-1B for you? Yes, 2022 lottery, yes, first H-1B. Okay, and you've never been inside the U.S. in H-1B no. status, right? No. Okay, they filed for you while you were outside, it's approved, um, but you haven't gone for visa stamping yet? Yes, H-4 visa I have gone because he was denying for H-1. That did okay. not show me the approved I-797 document with me. Okay, so you have not gone for visa stamping for the H-1B? Yes, I have gone for H-4. Okay, H-4 only. Yeah, that is a bit difficult. And they're no longer, the H-1B employer is no longer supporting the application or willing to have you come in to work for them? Uh, they're willing, but they're, uh, they're saying that uh, they need some time gap because like immediately after landing to US with H-4, there should be some time gap for the conversion because some they oh, okay. get some query of 221G or something. Why does why did she come with H1 and H1 Oh, and I see. Is there is that the reason? They don't really have to do it like that. Um okay, so they're still willing to have you work for them, the H one B. Yeah, maybe, but after three okay. months, like if I land to US okay. three months, they're planning to do my conversion. Oh, so is there okay. any time gap required exactly or they're just that's fine. If it's because they, if it's because they want to delay your start date, um, then that's fine. You can come in to the U.S. on H four, and then when the company is ready for you to start work with them, they they would just need to file another application for a change of your status from H four to H one B, and they can do that at any time during these three years that the approval notice is valid. Um, yeah, so that is fine. Um, if they were ready for you to work right now, then the ease, it would be better if you just go for H-1B visa stamping, then come in directly on H-1B. But, um, if, yeah, if you want to travel into the U.S. and they want to delay your start date, then that, that's a fine way to do it, to come in on H-4. And then when they're ready for you to start, they would just file a change of status application for you to change your status from H-4 to H-1B within the U.S. You would not need to exit again. Okay. Uh, what's the time uh, frame? Like how much time will it take for the conversion if I go with premium? If they file it in premium processing, I mean, it could be prepared within a week. And then, you know, it, if it's filed in premium processing, it could be approved in two weeks. Okay. Without premium? Without premium, it may take uh, like three to five months. Three to five months. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Monica, Monica. Uh, hey, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so I had a similar question uh, like Santos uh, because the Fidelity guys 
you know yeah. they, they are asking for me to comment like that person to comment directly so is it going to like at, if the cbp uh, officer asked me whether i'm working for the current company what should i answer if at all if, if they are not ready to file h1b you know through counselor process yeah exactly yeah that's why it's i think it's risky to come in on the approval notice of a company that has laid you off already even if you are still receiving severance because um uscis has not been very clear on whether receiving severance pay is still considered being employed by that company. They kind of released a Q&A recently where they seem to say that the last day of employment for purposes of determining like the 60 day grace period is the last day that the employee works for the company, which seems to indicate that they don't think a severance period is considered active employment with that H-1B company. Um, so it's safer, I would say, from your side to have the new company file their application for you while they're while you're outside the US and then you would enter the US with the new company's H1B approval notice. Um, and like I said, it's fine if the visa stamp is from a previous company as long as it's unexpired. Because you're right, if you when you're coming in and you show if you show the old company's approval notice mm-hmm. in order for them to for CBP to admit you, you would have to say that you're working for this company that has, and you know, that has laid you off, and which yeah. is not necessarily True. accurate. If the government finds out later, it could be a problem. Oh, okay, got it. Thank you. Sure. Tarun. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Perfect. Um, so I, uh, I mean, I'm on my H-1B visa. I currently have an approved I-140. So I'm in the process of shifting from one employer to another, and uh, my new employer. It's applied for the H-1B and uh, it's it's happening in a premium processing right now. Okay. Um, and my question is all around this 180-day period. So um, if I were to, I, I know shifting jobs before that 180 period is a little tricky because they could potentially withdraw my 140. Uh, mm-hmm. My question is, say, for example, the 180-day period is uh, next uh, Wednesday. And then I just give a notice to my employer uh, say today that I'll be working until next Friday, which is well beyond the 180-day period. Uh, but is there still a possibility that they could revoke my uh, 140 while I'm still being employed there? Technically, yes. I mean, the the timelines are kind of pretty short, so it's it really depends on the company and how quick they are to send in a withdrawal notice once they become aware that you're leaving the company. So you don't have to be um, out of the company in order for the company to withdraw your I-140. They could withdraw your I-140 at any time, even if you're still employed with them. Um, And they can make the withdrawal, even though the withdrawal being registered like with USCIS can take months. like UCIS usually doesn't send an acknowledgement of the withdrawal sometimes for several months, but the company can in their withdrawal letter write that they want the withdrawal to be effective as of this date. Um, so it really depends on the company and how quickly you think they would would you know send in the withdrawal um, and if they will make it effective from you know a, a date earlier than the 180 day mark. If they do, then that could be, you know, trouble for 
for being able to use the I-140 later for H-1B extensions, that sort of thing. Um, it would okay. be safest if you don't let them know that you're leaving until that 180-day mark has come up. Okay, okay. And um, is that the, is it is it often that the companies do these kind of withdrawals or is it uh, really hard to say and very rare? It really depends on the company and kind of what okay. their um, what their practice okay. is. There are some companies that you know keep the I one forties approved for ex employees for years, even um, okay. you know because they want to use it as an incentive to have the employees come back, perhaps in the future. It really depends on the company. Okay, and uh, another the correlated question that I have is: say I have my H and B approved with the new employer and I have that come in, is it okay that I have my new employer, uh, say, uh, wait for me for like a month before I actually join them? So I have it approved like for a month period uh, with my new employer, but is it okay uh, technically? Yes, that's fine. Um, as long as the requirement then is that for that month period before you start with your new company, you should continue working for your current company. Um, right. So you, you're technically not really supposed to have gaps, um, although it's a bit of a gray area. Sometimes if needed, if somebody is quit and then the new job doesn't start for a while, um, we can use the 60-day grace period argument. But it's best if um, if you're not starting immediately with the new company, then you should be continuing to work for your current company until you transfer over. Okay, and there's no way, to your earlier point, there's no way for me to find out if my 140 was withdrawn by the current employer. Or is that a way for me to go and search, look, look it up? Sorry, if um, to find out if the I-140 has been withdrawn by the current employer? Um, like I said, it can sometimes, it will sometimes show up on the USCIS case status website, but like I said, yeah. it can take several months sometimes for that website to update with USCIS's records. So it may not okay. be clear always from that. Okay, okay, clear, thank you. Sure. Um, okay, I can take one more question. Mukundan? Mukundan? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, hi, Rebecca. Um, so I'm currently on uh, H1B. And I would like to know if I get laid off, what is the preferred best option uh, for my case? Uh, first one, uh, move to H4 visa as my spouse is working on H1. And the second one is apply for uh, compelling circumstances EAD as I have an uh, I-140 approved since 2020 and I left that employer on 2022. And the mm -hmm. third one is, is it possible to apply for compelling circumstances EAD if I am on H4? Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend changing to H4 status. Um, that is more of a stable status than the compelling circumstances EAD. The EAD itself, um, it's kind of an in-between state. It's sort of meant to be for sort of emergency situations, like we filed for it quite a bit in 2020 during COVID, um, but it's meant to be kind of for extraordinary circumstances. Um, 
where there aren't really any other options for someone to stay legally in the U.S. and continue working. Also, the compelling circumstances EAD can, it of course, has kind of that higher threshold if you have to prove that your circumstances are kind of extraordinary. Also, it can take several months to process. Um, and while it's processing, you technically don't have, it doesn't keep you necessarily in a period of authorized stay. If it's denied, then you know, you could be considered out of status for that entire time since you were laid off. Um, so I would, if you, if H-4 is an option for you, I definitely would recommend filing the I-539 to change status to H-4 within the 60-day grace period if you don't find another um, H-1B employer who can file the transfer within the 60 days. You can then also try, um, if you're um, if your spouse who's on H-1B doesn't have the I-140 and you can't file for the H-4 EAD, you can also, while being in H-4 status or having the H-4 pending, also apply for the compelling circumstances EAD in addition so that okay. if it does get approved, um, then you have work authorization in addition to the H-4 status. Um, but I would I wouldn't do that instead of H-4. I would still move on to H-4 so that your status is secure and then you can go for the compelling circumstances EAD on top of that if you want to. Okay, thank you. Uh, one last follow-up on that. Um, so in a hypothetically, uh, or at least for me, uh, the final action date isn't going to be current for another 10 years, right? Uh, let's say if I leave the US for like five to eight years or somewhere around that, uh, can any H-1B employer apply H&B in cap exempt, and then I can just mm -hmm. come in with the visa? Yes. Yeah. So as long as you've been counted in the lottery once, that's kind of indefinite. You never have to go through the lottery again. So even five years later, if you've been outside the U.S. that whole time, another company can file for your H-1B. You just need to go for the visa stamp first, of mm -hmm. course, before you can enter the U.S. But since you have the I-140 approval, you know, you have kind of indefinite H-1B time until your priority date becomes current. So yeah, that, yeah, that is an option. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, sorry, we'll have to close the um, conference here for today. If we weren't able to get to your question, um, the next conference is tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. If it is your first time, um, when you're filling out the Google sheet, if you put that you're a newcomer, that will kind of get you higher up in the order of being um, called on for the conference. So you can add that note that you're a newcomer when filling out the Google sheet in a future conference. Or um, if you have an issue that kind of requires more in-depth discussion, feel free to visit our website and you can make a consultation appointment with any of our attorneys to go through um, your situation in more detail. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.